you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast. Living in your hands! <laughs> From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL. The Week 13 flagship program. Wow, Dan Hans is here with Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sesslers. Heroes Bowl, and uh, this is an interesting week 13. We had six teams on by, and boys, I, I, uh, there are many times where I, I miss living on the East Coast. It's days like today where I sit down and I turn on the 10 a.m. starts, and up and down the Eastern Seaboard, just miserable weather, messing with everyone's lives, like destroying any semblance of having a fun day at the stadiums. And I think, okay, it's pretty nice out here. Yo, 100%. And I, I mean, it, uh, you know, we got some weird weather suspended play, which happens, it seems to happen like once a year whenever it's covering that game. Yeah. And I believe it was you, Greg, that you're suddenly watching you that banged. game an hour and a half later than all the other early slot games ending. I mean, the Cardinals Steelers deserve to be a four and a half hour game. Uh, but yes, I'm always happy we're here on the West Coast. So we're not driving home either at, at, after Sunday night football at 1230 at night. Mm. Yeah, that's true. So you had, yeah, multiple games in raining or downpour conditions. You had all the soggy fields, slippery fields, all those black pellets everywhere, like on the cleats and on their faces and their mm. face masks. Ah, but, and then you had all these backup quarterbacks. Oh, oh, and all these guys that can't play. So you got some things going on around the league. But the one thing we did have, one thing I, we knew we had in our back pocket in this week 13 were the Eagles and Niners. And here's the good thing. And we're going to get to the game. And maybe it wasn't the barn burner we were expecting. But we learned a lot about both teams. Mm -hmm. And also, Greggy, these guys hate each other. And, and I just get the feeling it was round one to set it up for a better one. To Philadelphia we go. First and 10 Niners in the Philly 48. Purdy looks left, now middle throws, caught. Broken tackle by Debo Samuel. No. First down 30, 20, he 15, go. 10, 5, touchdown! He is gone. San Francisco! What an absolute beast, <laughs> Debo Samuel! <laughs> oh, man. Greg Papa and Tim Ryan with the call. KNBR. 
you know, there's so many stars on the Niners and superstars on the Niners. I have long thought Debo Samuel is one of those people that's super, he's in my superstar club. And if you look at the Niners bump in the road this season, it neatly coincides with Debo Samuel out of the lineup. He's such a devastating uh, jack of all trades. And we saw it again uh, in Philadelphia where Samuel scored three touchdowns, who, uh, the star of a dominant offensive performance for Kyle Shanahan's offense and a 42-19 win over the Eagles. That's just the second loss of the season for Philly, and that tightens up the top of the NFC picture considerably. Greg, um, the game started in one place, Yep. and then once San Francisco kind of got things calmed down, the whole game changed. Yeah, the first quarter was completely dominated by Philadelphia. They had seven first downs to only six Plays for the 49ers, 124 yards to negative six. And then after that, the 49ers put together what was really one of the best offensive performances of the season by any team. And zooming out, I think it really brings into focus this matchup. 49ers offense versus Eagles defense specifically, because that's where I'm concerned about this Eagles team. Their linebackers have been poor all year. The safety's up and down. And Shanahan just put a big circle on those linebackers and he kept putting them in conflict and their tackling was poor and it was Kittle and it was Samuel and it was Ayuk and it was Purdy on some early third downs being very calm and making good throws in this Eagles defense. 17th and DVOA coming into today. To me, it is a season-long issue. And once again, they get outgained by 95-plus yards. That's five straight games that that's happened. That is wild. And it's like, this is a matchup situation, too, because I'm with you. We're going to see these guys playing again. Um, And for the Niners to start... Well, we're going to be cheated. There's a confluence of these teams, though. As football fans, I want to feel like we got cheated if these teams somehow don't meet again, and hopefully the NFC title game, yeah. or at the very least the divisional place. We got to get these guys back in the same. Field. Yeah, you throw Dallas in there too. I mean, I I just think to start the way they started, um, and and you you're wondering, did the Eagles just have this team's number? And and and, and to turn around with these long Shanahan esque touchdown drives, six touchdowns in a row, clock chewing, high yardage, multi play situations where it's like every Game, someone else steps up and plays the star for for San Francisco. And this version of Debo Samuel, when you have Trent Williams back in the lineup, um, it just makes it impossible to figure out how to defend them. Right. You you mentioned it coincided with Debo being out, and that that's totally fair. But Trent Williams is the guy. I feel like yeah, like he's a, he's a to me a, a first ballot type of Hall of Fame type guy who's still playing at a high level. And when they got going early, and they were down six nothing, and Philadelphia went. 0 for 2 in the red zone, settling for field goals. They did it by going left. It, it was running left behind Trent Williams. And I also think about uh, a play to start the second half. They did so well going into halftime, a four-minute drive that killed the clock, didn't give Philadelphia a chance to score coming back, and then a four-minute drive out of halftime. And there was just no pressure on Purdy for the most part on those throws. And I think of a third and seven it, to start that drive coming out of halftime, which is an out route to Ayuk to the opposite hash. And you don't think of Purdy in terms of his arm strength or anything, but that was a real deal pro throw. He had a, a nice run in the red zone where he bounced off the tackler. It was a great day out of him too. Like it's pretty rare that, you know, a quarterback gets 314 yards on 27 attempts, four touchdowns. And he does feel like the third or fourth person that, that you talk about on this team, but it, it was 
really just perfect. <laughs> Isn't that life for Purdy? Right. It's perfect <laughs> yes. for everyone. Uh, Shio Kapadia put that this was the second best EPA per drive uh, performance by any team all year, which makes sense. They went six straight touchdowns and then finished the game after that. I got I to gotta give us a little bit of credit because um, I think as a group, we were kind of on this as a possibility uh, with the Eagles living dangerously these last few weeks and the Niners looking for that revenge, playing at a high level, being in a place where they kind of needed the win. And there seemed like an opportunity for this. Uh, Mark, I think you locked it up. I did. Good job there. The I confidence. almost came with you. Yeah. Um, and I would have been safe in that spot, too. And, you know, so you just got to you got to give the Niners a ton of credit. And they're like I said, a lot of bad blood here between these two teams. We'll get into what happened with the director of security in a little bit. Uh, but for them to put them on them that way with the six straight scores. And I think you, you can't win a game in the first quarter, but you can lose one. You could let a game really sneak away. And you look at the way the game started. Greg mentioned that Eagles went red zone, red zone, field goal, field goal um, early. Uh, they also... Uh, the Niners' first possession, minus two yards. Their second possession, minus four yards. And they're facing a third and three in their third possession. Uh, and Purdy connects with Kittle to move the chains. They're facing a third and one a few plays later. It's Purdy again. And that's where he was so calm in the yes. pocket. Just kind of waiting for Debo to get open on a third and one is very He hit good. Samuel for 13 yards. And once they kind of got the crowd a little bit taken out of it and they got calmed down, they just started rolling. I mean, that's a, that's a sign of a championship team. And we're not going to go back, and Eagles fans don't want to hear it, and the Niners fans, it wouldn't help them anyway. I kind of think the Niners were the team last year in the NFC, and the way it played mm -hmm. out in the NFC title game was heartbreaking for them and their fan base. This was, a, this was an announcement to the Eagles, like, this is us at full strength, and you don't want to see us in January. Let's see what happens. Right, because the 49ers defense got more pressure on Hurts than vice versa. Now, sometimes I feel like Hurts left the pocket when it was clean uh, and just held it forever and wanted to make a play. And it was, it was back to a little bit of what we saw from Hurts. I don't think their offense was bad today. They finished with 19 points, which is disappointing, but they moved the ball. They didn't have a ton of possessions either. He almost had 300 yards, but no running game at all. And then Hurts just not feeling like comfortable going to his first read. Not a lot in, in rhythm for them. And so give uh, Charvarius Warden and some of the other defensive backs credit for that. Yeah, and I think it's like you, it's so easy to uh, you know magnify the Niners offense and talk about how versatile they are and all their stars, but it's like their defensive front um, is growing more powerful and like they gave up 2.6 yards per carry to an Eagles team that you know has been hot and cold on offense in some ways, but they were able to lean on their ground game heavily early in the year and today they couldn't at all. And I, I think to go do this in Philadelphia, which is one of the nastier places to play and come out from the West Coast, it's like this is a statement operation by the Niners. And stop telling me that Brock Purdy is so far down in this MVP race. It annoys me. It annoys me because I don't know what else he needs to do. It's I don't like, know what else he needs to do. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's, and I'm with you. Uh, fundamentally, I'm with you. Like, it needs to, he needs more credit. Also, like, I think Christian McCaffrey deserves real MVP, a real look. And this he had 133 yards in this game. We haven't even mentioned and him he, yet. Yeah, it was like, like, for him, that's a quiet. But he was, every time they kind of needed a play, he made a play. He had a couple runs where he just showed the best footwork of any running back in the league. Just a brilliant, brilliant offense. And you could tell when they had a nice sideline shot of Shanahan Purdy. I thought IU kind of bailed him out a little bit on the play, the short touchdown pass to get them going. And you, you saw... You saw... You saw Shanahan like pump his fist on the sideline and like they were off and running and it was just another show of Shanahan's might. So, you know what? Let's do the uh, do this game on the NFL Plus uh, mm. on Monday. Yeah. Game of the week.
we've we've tilted towards you know the closest game of the week. Sometimes this ha- this has a meaning in a very different way. Now, would we do game of the week if Big Dom was not involved? Listen, Big Dom <laughs> is someone who I think we need to have long conversations about. It was made clear to me from Sean Kelly that Big Dom, the director of security for the Eagles, is a folk hero in Philadelphia, and apparently his skirmish with who's a Dre Greenlaw. Yeah. That led to Greenlaw suspension and the head of security for the Eagles being escorted from the side to, uh, off the sideline, which is funny. Um, that I was a little bit worried. I got to be honest with you hmm. that that was going to spark some type of magical moment. And then we were going to have to deal with Bradley Cooper jumping up and down and leading Once Dom yeah. chance and all that stuff. But it didn't happen that way. It didn't. And, and this was, um, you know, like, it's not the ir- ironic nickname where they call so- a large, very large person tiny, like back in the 30s or that 40s. That old move, yeah. That, yeah. It, it, he literally is just a giant guy, and it's, they call him Big Dom, and they should. I'm, I'm not. Um, now, he's going to become, he would have become an even bigger folk here. People love him. Andy Reid loved him, too. He called him my big Italian son back in the day. Like, uh, I think that was on Chris Law's podcast. I, I saw him tweet that out. And people loved him. But Big Dom ultimately, like, kind of skated in terms of the broadcast. Like, like, let's calm down, Big Dom. I get why Kyle Shanahan was pretty fired up afterwards. He, he was. I won't hear this Big Dom slander. He does not need not to, on this show. He does not need to be involved. And Nick Sirianni actually agreed and said, like, Dom should not have uh, been involved there either. Didn't approve of his actions and kind of baited. Like, he did a good job baiting Drake Evenlaw into getting ejected. But I'm not sure. He needed to be ejected when some big guy on the sideline is pointing a finger at his face. Like, get out of there. You know, the Eagles have problems after this game. I feel like Big Dom's low on the list. Uh, and there it is. <laughs> yes. If you're watching on YouTube, they got to figure out how to stop a team, an elite team, because yeah. they have not been. And guess what? They get the, I think, the Cowboys next week. And all of a sudden, everything's up for grabs. NFC will Eagles. be up for grabs. The, the number, number one seed. seed. Spicy. Uh, it is delicious. All right. <clears throat> Let's see. Let's move on. Let's go to another game. Uh, that looked like it was going to be a blowout, then got tight to the Superdome. Two tight ends set for the Lions. Goff takes, fakes the give, goes end around. Now they flip it on the second back coming around. That is Jameson Williams inside the 15, inside the 10, dives into the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Oh. A little razzle-dazzle to number (laughs) nine who did a swan dive into the end zone. The Lions have extended their lead. You know, these are the great, that's Dan Miller, of course, uh, and Lomas Brown of WXYT. Uh, these are all amazing athletes that we watch every Sunday. But sometimes you see you see a play, and you see a player, and you're like, oh, he looks different than the other guys. Jamison Williams, we see you, bud. I mean, he barely, soared through the air there. Barely, but not even just the sword, just... The speed in which he cut through those you 20 yards. You can't tell yards. me he did not run 33 miles per hour on he, that. That was if, ridiculous. I swear to God, if he was not, and if there, Eric, if there's a way to track this down, if there was, if he is not above 21 miles per hour, I'm going to be sick to my stomach for the entire uh, next-gen industry. Rightfully so. Uh, the Lions got that well-timed TD from their first-round mystery man and another huge performance from breakout, breakout tight end Sam Laporta in a 33-28 win. Over the Saints, uh, Mark Detroit jumped ahead early, nearly let it slip away, but the ability to make big plays when it mattered, that was the difference. They they did. They Obviously, I think Detroit, and we've identified that there are certain weaknesses um, that they carry into their postseason journey. Uh, but at the same time, it's exciting to see what you got from Jamison Williams and Sam Laporta is emerging as like 
a rock solid star tight end who is a he- becoming oh, a yeah. bigger and bigger part of their offense. Um, they jumped out to a twenty-one nothing lead in the first seven minutes. Uh, Derek Carr threw a terrible interception on the first offensive play of the game. Detroit popped it in a couple plays later. He had a rough fumble in the fourth quarter, and that was when they were climbing back into this game. Derek Carr got whacked at one point, um, looked really banged up, left with a shoulder injury, a back injury. I got thrown into the concussion portal. And, you know, at one point he's getting booed. <laughs> I hope everyone's happy. Well, no, you know what? You know Derek Carr is out of your life once the, and for all. I, I know. Concussion <laughs> portal. That well, sounds dark. It does sound dark. But, like, you, <laughs> Protocol. you like, uh, have been defending him. And I had to say that at one point, like, with the Superdome, which was massively filled with Lions fans. So it's like that's that's – telling me that a lot of Saints fans are about as frustrated as possible in selling their tickets. But uh, he's getting booed relentlessly because it was a rough... T- it, like The way this whole thing started, it was not a good look for Derek Carr. Like when Taysom Hill's on the field, they then boo when Carr comes yeah, back. Yeah, like so Carr was... Coming, it was spot. It, it, it was, and you just saw a look on his face on the sideline. But um, <laughs> at one point, he's getting lustily booed by this crowd, and he'd hit 15 straight passes. And, and that then first interception injured. was just a drop. It was not on him, to be fair. Yeah, I just think I think the problem with I think the whole thing with the whole whole experience here is becoming like the whole Saints team feels like they're floating away to me. Uh, and it starts yeah. with the coach. It's the quarterback situation. He's like the face of it. And he's become the main target. Absolutely. He absolutely has played a role in what's happening here, Mark. And I'd love to hear more, although I'm still trying to wrap my head around next gen stats report here that Jameson William reached a top speed of 20.7. Okay, here's why though, because you only get what? you only get those, <laughs> what, what? You only get those top speeds if you run for like 25 straight yards. What? You know what, what? I mean? You can't, what? no one can what? get it in the what? first what? 15 yards. You know you what I mean? You can't tell me. You can't tell me you watch that play in real time. He's not going 60 miles an hour. <laughs> I yeah, it's it's questionable. And when he jumped and then the celebration, the like multi-part, he only has a couple plays every week. But they're among the most exciting plays in the NFL. I love me some Jamison Williams. But no, right now. all right, let's let's watch some Jamison Williams uh, post game. One way play. We already know what's going on when, when Waymo gets the ball. Waymo. I just got to get it. Let's go touchdown. We win. Lions win. Let's go nine three. Let's go. <laughs> He's such a great guy. Um, I gotta start start calling him Waymo. I've been I don't know. I thought J-Mo. it was Jamo. I thought it was Jamo, but I guess he's Waymo. Mark, let's yeah. getting back to the game and along the lines of what you're saying with Carr. And J- and Jameis Winston comes in and they have a chance to steal this game they and do. then he's scattershotting the ball all over the place. So just be careful, Saints fans, of who you're getting after because it's it's a lot of people that aren't getting jobs. Well, done. they're not the sum of their parts, and I don't think I, it, I think it's pretty clear to most Saints fans that Jameis Winston's not going to give you a completely different experience. I thought this game mattered a lot for Jared Goff, um, who was money when it mattered in the final couple minutes. It was third and eight; they're up thirty-three to twenty-eight with two plus to go, and Goff hit. Um, Sam Laporta, beautiful throw. And then on that same drive on third and nine to ice this thing, to not allow the Saints back in when it was so close, um, hit Josh Reynolds. And it's like this was a game where Jared Goff returned to the the player that we've seen, um, not, you know, critical mistakes down the stretch. And for the Lions, like, had they somehow crumbled here, we'd be asking a lot of questions. Now they're nine and three for the first time in the Super Bowl era. Right. A big win on the road. Uh, uh, wow. Like I expect That's quite a stat. Nine and three for the first time in fifty-seven years. The Lions. That's they're they're going to have a lot. It's been a dark, like, yeah. a dark organizational journey for. They're going to have a lot of these uh, little numbers. And this game kind of went like I thought. Where just there would be messiness. These two teams. The, the Lions defense is a problem enough that there's going to be messy moments. I was uh, nervous, Greg. You were nervous. You jumped oh. on my lock, but you shouldn't have been nervous because they always 
Give it, it to right us twice. Give it to us once. No, give it to us. The vibes were right. Give it to me again. again. Um, I got to say one thing real quick. I, I thought that was going to be a very annoying aspect of today, and you guys barely even talked about it. So good. That yeah. was you Why? made the office more. Why? Enjoyable. What were you expecting? Just a lot of you guys like, like a block party, yeah, because like the dozy lines. Dozy well, around I mean, the office. No, I'm, like, you know. I'm not going to honk too much about uh, the Saints losing here. But that third and nine you just mentioned, so the the Laporta catch before that nails. He has a chance, Laporta, to set the all-time record for yardage as a rookie. I mean, he went nine for 140 Big today. Time. That's that's the record, I believe, for a single game for a rookie tight end. And now he's got a chance to break the, the season record. He's got a pretty good chance. I think he needs a couple hundred yards to go in the last five games. He, he's ridiculous. But that throw on third and nine to Reynolds, that play call and then Goff's execution of it was as gutsy to me as every any fourth down call that Campbell's made all season. That was as gutsy as going for it on your own 32. Because the Saints had no timeouts there. The the Cowboys were in a very similar spot actually on Thursday night when they went for that touchdown late. A little different situation. But if all the Lions had to do there was run the ball and they get to punt with a minute left up a touchdown. And instead they call a pass on third and nine. And I'm thinking that's one of those plays where you tell Goff, like if it's not there, just eat it and, and the clock will run and we have like a 95% chance to win. Yeah. And there's pressure early. Goff actually takes a hit on that play. He's moving left to get out of the way. It's like second reaction Goff play. And when he throws that ball, I'm thinking, no, 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 no. This is such a bad idea. And he puts a dime on Reynolds while moving left. And Reynolds makes a great catch with it too and run after the catch to get the first out. That was, this is a really high level play by, by Goff and Reynolds and, and a ton of guts by the coaching staff and a lot of trust. They really do trust Jared Goff uh, an incredible amount in these big spots. And he's shown them outside of the past couple games where, you know, he deserves that trust. I, there was one moment in this, um, and it wasn't really like the, it wasn't the network's decision to do this, but Al, like Kamara raced out of bounds and like ran into the legs of like a chain gang dude. Yeah. And like the camera was sort of fixed. It was like the camera guy was sort of fixed on the whole situation. And it was uncomfortable to watch because it was just like not an athlete, but a like a normal man just like writhing on the ground in a way that like it was worse than it stuff. It was like a uh, catastrophic lower leg injury. As I, I was a dislocated kneecap or something. Jeff Duncan of the Times-Picayune reported that, yeah, that he was at University Hospital in New Orleans. He was going to have surgery. It was uncomfortable uh, to watch. So we wish him well. It's yeah. like I, when we've been on the like the games in London on the sideline. I, I, there's always this like underbelly of concern that like a football is going to hit me in the head or a player is going to smash in me and I'll just be killed. Right. That would be in some ways um, a pathetic way to go, but also kind of cool. It, I mean, no, it would be pathetic. We're all just specs uh, on this universe, and at least that would be a memorable death. It'd be pathetic. Oh, how's your buddy Mark doing? Oh, died killed on the sideline. Uh, by Derrick Henry in week five. <laughs> like, oh, he gone. notable. <laughs> he gone. All right. Uh, let's uh, head to Houston where the Texans were looking to keep their playoff push going. And the Broncos were looking to keep a winning streak intact. Third and goal from the eight. Wilson in the gun. One back. P. Ryan. Wilson gets the snap. Wilson chased. Wilson escapes the sack. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! It's intercepted. Yes. <laughs> the Texans the have weekly, it. Yes Jimmy Ward. The yes. Houston's going to win. Nine seconds to go. Yes. Mark Vandermeer and Andre Ware with a yes. K-I-L-T. Andre Ware. That's awesome. Yeah. The fun and surprising Texans 
season has been defined by the play of wonderkind QB Bryce Young. <laughs> Yikes, Freudian slip. <laughs> CJ Stroud. On Sunday, we were reminded <laughs> of the huge gains made on the other side of the ball. Jimmy Ward's end zone INT saved the day for the home team and a 22 win over the Broncos, whose winning streak comes to an end, and the Texans keep themselves in the playoff mix. Um, interesting game. All right, let's start with the big injury news because it's it's terrible because Tank Dell on the Texans uh, from in close touchdown run, he's blocking, he gets rolled up on, and he's got a broken leg, and he's out for the year, and he's going to injured reserve, and uh, it's hard to um, understate um, – how important or overstate how important he is to this team and what he has meant to CJ Stroud and, and what has been a kind of a historic rookie season. When you have a, a quarterback having a historic rookie season, there's usually a wingman that's helping him make it happen. And that has very much been uh tank Dell. So losing him for the balance of the season is devastating. That said, uh, this is not a one trick pony act this offense. And on the day that they lose tank Dell for the year, Nico Collins goes nine for 191 mm. and a touchdown. They still aren't getting anything from the running game, uh, but Stroud was able to find a way. And most importantly, as I said at the top here, it was the defense because you had, uh, like I said, three, you had the interception to seal it. That was one of three picks by Russell Wilson. The other two were by Derek Stingley, uh, their number three overall pick two years ago. And Will Anderson had two sacks and two tackles for a loss. So you have all these guys when they were the, the worst team in the league, the last few years and they're starting to bank these high level draft picks. It's really looking like they're hitting on these guys and you're seeing uh, with D'Amico Ryan's leading the way uh, progress on that side. And that makes Tex the Texans dangerous. Yeah. I think like there's a connective DNA to what D'Amico Ryan's was able to do in San Francisco uh, before he got this job where there's player development. Um, like the, Will Anderson's growth has like, he was fa a fascinating player today and wreaking all sorts of havoc. Like you bring in Jimmy Ward who obviously, you know, they knew each other from San Francisco and he's making big plays and like Derek Stingley. It's like, it's the, yes, CJ Stroud is the biggest story in Houston, but this defense can make a difference too. And I kind of just like the way this whole team building situation has gone for Texas pretty quickly. Right. J Jimmy Ward and, uh, Stingley, you look at when they were in the lineup and when they weren't, and that kind of coincides with them playing much better. Now their offensive line has also gotten healthier. And I think that's helped too, in terms of the pass protection for Stroud, but they are box office every week. That is now, and they showed a graphic during the game, like heartbreaking losses for the Texans that they had suffered. Their last three losses were all heartbreaking. And I was looking at it and I'm thinking, well, that's true. But like every time they win, it's a heartbreaking loss for the opponent. Right. That is now eight straight games that have been decided by one score. And I'm just eyeballing them. And I think all of them were like the last drive where like someone has the ball and they either win the game or they don't win the game with the ball in the last seconds. And that's just it, it makes sense that they're a young team. And uh, I think they got to be so excited about the Stingley-Anderson combo, as you, as well said, Dan. The Thank you. Started out. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you have that side of things. And the reason, and again, they just lost their most important offensive player besides Stroud. So I'm not going to come down on the offense too hard, but they really struggled to put this game away. Third down, they were four for 16 in this game, and it allowed Denver to hang around even on an imperfect day from their offense. So Russell Wilson... Uh, we just talked about him. Greg is pumping his fist right now because 
Wilson after I, going. I, I didn't say a word. No yeah. interceptions during that stats. five game winning streak. <laughs> he throws three interceptions in this game. And it's kind of frustrating. I know Denver fans are feeling it because the interception that ends the game, he makes a really athletic play to escape the rush. And he act, if he kind of sets himself a little bit and, and takes an extra beat, he probably doesn't throw that ball up for grabs because he had, he had some time, but I think he was rushing after uh, the hurry and it led to the interception. So that those uh, turnovers were killer. He also had a, a touchdown pass and a touchdown run and did move the offense, especially in the second half. Uh, but it wasn't enough arrow up on court. Cortland Sutton, by the way. Oh, is, I feel like every week he's doing something he's really, amazing. And I was, I was, I think I had a tweet earlier today that he's really kind of um, arrived. But he had like a twelve hundred yard season a few oh my years gosh. ago. One, one of West's favorite players yeah. thought he was kind of an all pro that was buried on a team that it depressed his stats, even though he was just incredible. But he's kind of back now. That that version of him, his back. He had his ninth catch down touchdown catch of the season. So that was the positive. Uh, Denver and Houston still in the playoff mix, but that was a big win for the Texans. I think like Russell and Wilson. And a big loss in the injury. Wilson too. on the ground last, you know, three or four weeks has been looking a little bit more like the old yeah, Russell Wilson. Yeah, had a big fourth down pickup. They're six and six, Texans seven and five. We'll see if that tiebreaker ends up mattering, but even just the fact that the Texans get a game up and have a, a fairly favorable schedule moving forward is big. Uh, James Palmer pointed out Russell Wilson, 3.8 yards per attempt in play when they weren't doing play action in, you know, 13 when it mm. was. And I think that points out a little bit of what I've been just saying with Russell Wilson, which is that like, there's still like kind of a limited offense. They can't just like drop back to pass and, and win. That's not what they're doing. It's like play action. It's like scheming up types of plays. So, yeah, I mean, he's a, nobody's pounding the table for MVP for Russ Wilson. No. There was like one Broncos fan, but you don't want to be. Well, you don't want to listen too like closely. Some to blog fans. It was like this is better. It's like MVP. I don't know. They're, yes, I saw one. That feels slightly so, disconnected from reality. I think he's probably a big uh, wins as a QB stat guy. Would be my my guess on that play. Uh, one last thing before we move on. We need uh, this happened a couple of times uh, that I saw in games I watched today. Happened in the Meadowlands too uh, against the Falcons when they. Um, Blew a play dead on a strip of Trevor Simeon that would have went for a touchdown. Uh, they overturned it on review from an incomplete pass. But if they just let the play uh, play out, it's a touchdown and a game icing touchdown for Atlanta. In this game, the Texans uh, hit uh, Samaj P. Ryan for no gain. They took the ball away, ran it in for a t TD, but officials ruled forward progress and mm. stopped. Re a replay showed it that that was you could very easily have gone the other way on that. And it's just, you know, come on. Yeah, bad officiating slow game, down by with the way. these whistles. I feel like I was watching a lot of bad officiating in the games I watched today. Right. I don't know about you guys. And the Texans' first touchdown was after the Alex Singleton roughing, which was pretty soft. Like, where it was that? That was a fourth down turnover that it kept the drive going because he, like, lightly pushed CJ Stroud. Although, if I was. Uh, Texans fans, I would love the fact that Stroud like immediately got right back in his face. Uh, and that's why I was surprised like Singleton just got the penalty and Stroud Bad didn't dude. at all, but it was good. Hmm. I liked it. I all would right. say if you're an official and it's pouring yeah, rain uh, or it looked like it was hailing at one point down in Tampa, like I think it'd be, you know, I would do a lesser job. Uh, it, it, Not a problem at NRG Stadium, if that's what it's, is it still NRG? I don't, they they flipped that one so dumb. many times. So you're saying they wouldn't try as hard if the weather was bad. I don't but try as hard. It's like to go tr go do anything just as good uh, if it's okay. freezing rain and you're like soaking wet. It's your job. Be professional. 
You know what? If, if it this sounds is like open a terrible air, job to begin with. If this is open air and the rain is pouring in. Yeah. Oh, we'd be professional. But this is what we do. Stays yeah. at a level Absolutely. of greatness. All right, let's take a break <laughs> and we will march on. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back to Around the NFL, the flagship program, week 13. It's time now for the Sunday Drive presented by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Uh, it is Nick Shook time, so let's head to Nashville. 2.34 to go in overtime. Second down and goal at the four. Minshew out of the gun. Shotgun snap. Looks to his right. Got it, and the got it. Throws Michael Pittman. Touchdown. Touchdown, Michael Pittman. Oh, the bongos are out. Oh, Matt Taylor and Rick Venturi with the call WFNI. Gardner Minshew threw a four-yard touchdown pass to Michael Pittman with 231 to play in overtime, allowing the Colts to escape Nashville with a 31-28 win over the Titans. That's four straight wins for the Colts to keep them in the playoff race in the AFC. Uh, the Colts had needed that touchdown because Nick Folk booted a 46-yarder earlier in OT, but they would not be denied. Another man who will never be denied in all things, but especially in the gym. The pipe. 
pipe. <laughs> pipe, pipe, pipe. Game turned on that uh, block punt, didn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, got the Colts back in the game. Titans were got out to an early lead, kind of had a little bit of control of the game. Colts couldn't do all that much offensively. You get the block punt, everything swings. Suddenly the Colts are stringing together a good drive. They take the lead. They get it to overtime. Titans fight back. This game had everything, mm. guys. This game had pretty much every element you'll expect from an NFL game. There was all kinds of wackiness. Uh, you had two former backups, now starters, playing pretty good football. Uh, a, a classic meeting between the Colts and Titans. This used to decide the division. It's not going to mm. decide the division this year, but it was worthy of that type, those types of stakes. And uh, Colts come away a winner. And I don't know if, if you know, but just just so you're certain, in case the radio call didn't get it through to your head. Yeah. He got it. He's got it. He got <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can watch it. games all season and not, I would imagine we won't see any other game where a punt is blocked twice in a row by the same team, which knocks out the punter and then brings in Nick Folk to punt, who, by the way, punted fine. Like, sure. Let's just save a roster spot and have Nick. Also, you have Tannehill as the, the holder. Yeah, he didn't yeah, have a great day. Which that, that may have cost them because they, they missed the extra point with Tannehill, the laces. It's like, okay, can we calm down with the laces and hit an extra point? What do I know? You're out of your element, Donnie. Uh, <laughs> and then more importantly, in the same game that we have two straight block punts, we have a pick two, which is one of my favorite yeah. things Two's that can possibly super underrated. happen. Yeah. If this game did not involve the Colts Titans, it would absolutely be our game of the week. <laughs> Maybe we should rethink it. I'm just saying there should, there was a They're lot in going the Bermuda on in this triangle. Game. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Shooky. Yeah, they kind of are. I mean, um, Gardner Minshew had a strong day. Uh, you know, he didn't make any mistakes. Um, he had a beautiful touchdown pass to Alec Pierce, who I think is kind of coming on as of late. Uh, he's a guy who I've kind of liked. And and you look at the receiving core and you think, well, they don't have all that much talent. But if a guy like Pierce can produce like he did today, then suddenly they'll be much better and be more than just Michael Pittman, who also had a strong day. Um, but it's, you know, it's a cold team that's hanging around, guys. I mean, we know who the Titans are. They went through a stretch the last couple of weeks where they couldn't move the ball at all. And it was nice to see Will Levis get some time to throw. And because Derrick Henry found some success on the ground before he exited with an injury, you know, Levis was able to operate the offense. And you kind of see what Greg was all high on Levis for like a month ago or however long ago it was. Like, it's there. It is there. I totally see it. Um, but once Henry leaves, that offense kind of shrinks, gives the Colts an opening. And and again, like I said, the Colts are hanging around. They're seven and five. They're probably the ugliest seven and five team in the league right now outside of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But then again, um, you have to take them seriously from from here on out, especially when they find ways to win this game, because for a while there, it looked like they were going to drop one to a division rival. And they're not going away if they play like this and if they're coached like this, because they've got the Bengals. Joe Burrow, free Bengals next week. Um, a Steelers team that's going to be playing with their backup quarterback. A Falcons team that's beatable. The Raiders who are beatable. And then that final game with the Texans. So it's like, we talked a lot about the Colts last week. And I, I hear it, like, they're not always exciting to watch. Um, but I do think that Shane Steichen is a difference-making type of coach. And I look at the overall job he's done this year. I'm really impressed. And this, you get this version of Gardner Minshew, not the one that's throwing three interceptions. And you can win. Right. That was a that was his best throw of the, of the game in, in overtime. And I want to give them credit because they're just clutch. They they always find a way here. And then I look and like the offense, I, I think, had a total of 14 yards on their last five possessions of the uh, in, in the fourth quarter. So their offense did not was not clutch in the fourth quarter, but their defense made just enough plays to get them to overtime. And then Min, Minshew makes the play. And it's just like and that the culture now three and oh, when Minshew uh, does not throw an interception, which. You know, he does do that a lot. So, but when he plays the clean version of a mean shoe game, it's just like it, the Colts are a reminder. And I hope teams are learning from this in this very sloppy quarterback season of 2023. 
Your season doesn't have to be over because your starting quarterback mm-hmm. got hurt. Right. It doesn't have to be. Right. For many teams, it is because they don't prioritize or invest in the position beyond the starter. And Minshew was out there for anybody. And the Colts said, okay, we like having that guy behind our rookie. And when the Ricky, rookie disappears at the end of September, they were still okay because the rookie was still figuring some things out. So it wasn't even like you were going from up here to down here and Minshew somehow has to find a balance. Like he came in playing. I mean, he's a lower level. He's a high backup, you know, lower rung starter, but that's enough in a division like this and a team, like you're saying, credit to Steichen and the whole uh, operation for they've been able to win a lot of these like coin flip games and they're in the mix as a result. I mean, if you can have a fringe starter as your backup, you're in a different place than teams that, uh, you know, with a lack of creativity, stick someone behind your starter, like in Cincinnati. Um, and if anything happened to Josh Allen in Buffalo, where it's like your season is lost if you stick in a guy who's just a ham and egger. Mm. Yeah, but I think it also is kind Good of ham and egger situations, <laughs> they're indicative of. <laughs> how strong your coaching staff is because we've seen this happen over the last few years. And you've seen it in this season where, you know, a team like uh, San Francisco in previous years had to go through a number of different quarterbacks and yet found a way to still be kind of competitive or this year with the Colts and how Shane Steichen's doing such a great job. He'd be a coach of the year candidate. If D'Amico Ryan's didn't exist, I think, hmm. or you look at the I'm Browns with and how they've had to go through all these things with, with their quarterback situation. Kevin Savancy has been up and down in that department, but yet they've stayed afloat. God. It really is the silver lining of a messy quarterback season is you get a better evaluation of how strong coaching staff is and how well they're uh, equipped to handle adversity. And, and you know, that sometimes that can That's, be a fun little element. He is a candidate. Times. They invite three coaches to the to NFL honors. And Put him on the list. He's certainly, got, he's certainly got a chance don't to be invite, one of these guys. Don't invite two coaches who aren't going to win. Well, we, I, yeah, I don't know how that to. works. Maybe they don't. I, but they definitely announce invite all the, the three. Coaches. Yeah, but if you, if you don't invite multiple coaches, then you've <laughs> then you've yeah, yeah. sold. you got to give like the the idea of man, uh, Shane Steichen's like I could be coach of the year if only D'Amico Ryan's didn't exist. It's like <laughs> jo- Q Josh Mankiewicz on Dateline hey, they got with the, a corker they got of an the episode. Same record. They got the same record, and one's coaching with with Minshew, so uh, you might have a point. But it's one of those scenes. I'm where, insinuating murder. Greg. Yeah, everything yeah. Uh, goes right for them. That you get two block punts. Jeffrey Simmons leaves with an injury, and Derrick Henry leaves Tough. with an injury in the same game. Tough. Mm-hmm. On a day Henry went over 100 with two scores. Hopefully he's going to be okay. Shooky. Thank you, buddy. Easy Thanks one. This week. Guys. Hey, no more buys in a couple of weeks. So oh. we're going to need you down the stretch. I'll be getting my back ready to carry the load or at least uh, some sort you, of the load. You don't skip back day. <laughs> no, I don't. I definitely don't. <laughs> Shooky. Thank you, buddy. And that was the Sunday drive presented by Toyota. Let's go places. Learn more at toyota.com slash grand Highlander. I think we had a good Thursday show guys. I keep looking at, some of the results, and it's syncing up with wow. our commentary going into these games. We looked at this Dolphins-Commanders game and said, you know what? These fish, it's been a while since they gave us some explosive uh, fun. And it was explosive. Well, it was explosive fun for the Dolphins and explosive something else for the Commanders and their fans. Let's head to Landover. Hill <laughs> in motion, goes to the right, looking for him. Deep down the field, and he got him! What a movement by a hill to catch that football! He was turned inside, Joe. The ball was hit, thrown to the outside, and he weaved his way back. Another bomb to a to hill touchdown. Jimmy Cephalo, WBGG with the call. Tyreek Hill had two more touchdowns in five catches for a buck 57. That was basically in half of work. And he and the Miami Dolphins absolutely hammered 
the Washington Commanders 45-15 to remain comfortably atop the AFC East. And they're 9-3 for the first time since 2001. How about that? Greggy, um, this was it. This was that a dominant Miami offense. And, of course, if they're having a dominant day, Tyreek Hill is all over it. Yeah, I wanted to be dazzled. I said it's been a while since we had one of those Tua games, and we got it. And, yes, Tyreek Hill is ridiculous, and that is such a great adjustment on the ball there where maybe they weren't on the same page exactly, and he gets the long touchdown. But Tua creates math problems with these receivers. Those two long touchdowns that he threw were in getting rid of the ball in 2.13 seconds and 2.25 seconds, which is so fast, and yet the ball is 50 yards down the field, and Hill is catching up to it, so it's timing, it's footwork. I think Tua has really improved at resetting and making the first pass rusher miss, miss. That wasn't maybe the case on those touchdowns, but there were many plays today where Washington actually did get pressure quickly, and he just does a little shoulder shake, or he moves to the side, and then he resets. It's very... Tom Brady is just in terms of the pocket presence of just quickly moving and then making a nice throw. So I'm I'm all aboard. The Tyreek Hill is the MVP right now. I've been saying that for a while. He's at uh, 93 for 141 and 12. Uh, but this was absolutely also a great Tua performance, and it was nice to see. We needed that. Uh, I mean, Tyreek Hill is just doing this every week. Uh, I, I part of it is the opponent. Washington has given up 105 points yes. in three games, and and. Well, I think Sam Howell has been a visually intriguing player to watch. Um, everything is falling apart, and it's it's clear, you know, the the coach is going to be gone, the GM is going to be gone. Um, I think Howell deserves a chance to stay as your future starter. Uh, I think he's shown a lot, but he also like is not protected well, walks into a lot of his own sacks, and when you get the version of him throwing a pick six today, lightning. Now, I think it's a good sign that without Jim yeah. Phillips, the Dolphins like defense. Played another good game. They got so much pressure on Howell. This, I thought Howell played well in this game, which will sound crazy because he had 127 yards in, a, in an interception. The interception, to me, is not on the quarterback. It was a great read by Andrew Van Ginkle, like a, a play that they, through film study, he just read it uh, and picked it off. Van Ginkle had a sack, a pick six, and almost blocked a punt. And then, yeah, Sealer and Ogba getting pressure. They were all over Howell, who had a couple rushing touchdowns. And he only took three sacks in this game. This is one of those where he could have taken about eight sacks in this game. You can't give somebody a stat for almost doing something. I'm just saying he was... You can't set- include it amongst a, yeah, a that's pack fair. of stats. I just mean, like, Van Ginkle was everywhere. And there was a moment, like, right after a pick six and a sack that he then almost blocked the punt. And I was just like, nice wow. Nice little that run. Was, that was great. Um, you know, I think... Uh, we now have Ron Rivera. He has now graduated uh, to the uh, Frank Reich Dead Man Walking Club. It's no longer a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And there is certainly a case to be made here. Um, and everyone out there wants Eric Bieniemy to get a shot as a head coach uh, with his resume to give Bieniemy, you know, four or five weeks. I, I couldn't agree right? more. Like, I, I don't what? think you let. I don't think you just let him go because I think he's been a. He's been a. a Big Just give him a shot. See what yeah. happens with the team. See how they play with him and see how the offense operates with him kind of having sure. more responsibility. Now, I might look smart if this happens on like tomorrow. Would not shock me, but they also just let go of the defensive coordinator, and that was kind of the bloodletting that I thought would take Rivera to the finish line. And yet games like these make you think like, what is the point? Like they're also gonna know. they're entering their bye week too. So another mm. reason why it could happen. Okay. It, it, it could. And and there was like a moment where Bianami was kind of like barking at uh Howell on the side. I just don't know. Like it's not a good position for Bianami to be in either. I, I don't think it 
helps anyone. Uh, but yeah, Rivera's defense. The, the Dolphins only had nine drives in this game, and they put up 45 points. So it, it was rather wow. that was rather efficient. <laughs> and uh, A chain came back, scored a couple times. They, you know, that was a kind of get yep. right game. That was a nice I performance. Just, I had not thought of it in roughly 25 years, but on uh, NFL primetime on ESPN back in the 90s. Eric Bieniemy was a running back. Oh yeah. oh yeah, and Chris Berman would call him sleeping with Bieniemy. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like a, the a Julia Mauler Roberts vehicle. One, one, yeah. of, one of his best. Yeah, Berman. he's a mauler in tech Ridiculous. No, sleeping with Bieniemy is that's a classic. Eric sleeping with Bieniemy. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, here we go. We move forward because that's the only thing we can do uh, across the sidewalk. Uh, Mark Sessler was not in attendance, and maybe that was a good thing. Still has seven seconds to work with as they set up. From the 30, second and one. From the pocket, he deals down the seam. It's Stroke caught it. midfield. Out the oh, left that side. was pretty. Puka Nakua to the crib. Touchdown, LA. To the crib. You know, we love our guy. Davey Long with the call. Great guy. Great announcer. Oh, yeah. Matthew Stafford threw three touchdown passes. And that guy, Puka Nakua, the first ever Rams rookie wide receiver to cross 1,000 yards in a season. It's December 3rd. How about that? Wow. The Rams keep winning. That's three in a row. Sneaky three-game winning streak. 36-19 over the Browns at SoFi. Uh, Mark, that final score is misleading because... We were sitting next to each other. The Browns have a chance to tie this game, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then Mid- what? Midway through, down one, right? Yeah. And they, they, you're one of the most reliable kickers in the league, misses an extra point. Um, and things go south from there. And Dustin Hopkins. Dustin Hopkins. I think this th- this feels like a lot of Browns games we're going to get down the stretch. Because you, got, you had Joe Flacco. And I'll say one story for Cleveland is that I would not have been as surprised if we got a version of Joe Flacco that literally was a statue, couldn't move. And Any fumbles a- today? No, no fumbles threw, threw the ball. He had a, he had a See, bad if you interception. Protect the Stone Age pony. He, he can do some. Things. He also yeah. looked to me refreshed. I mean, I'm not saying he's gonna. He's, no, not, he's relaxed. He's not gonna like con, like con, confuse anyone on the ground. But he didn't look like he looked to me last year with the Jets. Um, I thought he threw the ball outside of you know the one interception that was so costly. Like threw the ball really well at times, and like you kind of, it's like oh well, if you had this version of the, of a quarterback play. Like during this, like, you know, they're, they've been on four of them and it's been real up and down. Maybe they win some of these close games, but I like this is an example of like Amari Cooper goes out with an injury. Um, they've got very little else happening, you know, through the air. And like they're they're a patchwork ground game without Nick Chubb. And so it's like they're the amount of mistakes they can make in a Ford is so narrow unless their defense has one of those games where Miles Garrett has three sacks and you're turning the ball over, you're, you're t- generating takeaways. And they weren't doing that today. And it's a, it's a couple weeks in a row where it's kind of just like concerned about the overall journey of this Browns team. I feel like other AFC teams hmm. at the bottom of that like wild card grid um, are starting to heat up. Like Cleveland's going in the other direction. And I don't really think you can rely on Joe Flacco and what's left of this offense to save you. Well, yeah, midway through the fourth quarter, which is crazy looking at the final score, the Browns score a touchdown. They miss the extra point, but then they get a quick punt from the Rams. And Joe Flacco actually has the ball with 6.51 to go down one point. And at that point, there were a lot of tweets. And I, I, I was half watching this game, too. There's a lot of drops. I thought Flacco was playing great. Like Tony Grossi saying this is the best game any quarterback's played 
for the Browns this season. And then Flacco just forced one. He took a shot that he shouldn't have taken. John Johnson intercepts it, returns it, and suddenly the Rams are rolling. But you can tell me more, Mark, that I, I was surprised to see the Rams rack up 400 yards almost in this game. And I think Stafford played well, and Pukunukua is great, and they get the running game going late. But if you had just said, okay, this is an average defense they're playing, like they looked like an average defense based on the stats. Did they look like that? Yes. They, yeah, because it wasn't the way that the Rams, the Rams did it a lot through the air. Uh, I mean, Nakua fried them. They don't have Denzel Ward, and that's two weeks in a row. Yeah. That they really miss him. I, I think that if you look at Jim Schwartz's defenses historically, like they've shined when he's had like that shutdown corner, and they're picking on other cornerbacks in this game. Uh, and like Nakua had 100-plus yards because kind of, of that play right there, but he had 100-plus yards um, in the first quarter. And then like what, it looked like he had a nasty injury. It was a rib injury, but came back in. So it's like this is a gritty young guy who like, when you don't get big numbers from Cooper Cup, Stafford can lean on him, and it's like they found different ways to beat a pretty banged-up Browns defense. Browns didn't force a turnover. The Browns didn't have a sack. Um, a lot of talk about the Browns as a historic defense. That's kind of out the window now. They've been normal for a few weeks now, and I don't know if Miles Garrett's healthy or not, but you know that's now a very quiet game in a big spot. And on the other side of the ball, you know Joe Flacco. You know, he's six foot six and he's got the howitzer. Even on the Jets last year, if you protected him, he made some plays. Like he could so if they can block for him, he cannot play behind a bad offensive line at this stage of his career. But if they block for him, I'm sure he could keep this offense moving. But the defense has to rediscover that spark, or yeah, they're gonna fade out of this very quickly. The Rams are interesting. This is their first Greg three game winning streak since their Super Bowl season. Wow. And they they're limiting teams. I think this is four straight. They've held opponents under 21 points. The defense, which is so undermanned, gets better and better. Kobe Turner, a rookie, had a really nice game. But I think this is a reminder. Flacco's old, for sure, 38 years old. But it's easy to forget. Matthew Stafford's 35, and he is just next freaking level. There was a play. They hit a couple big plays to Demarcus Robinson in the second half. And there was one where Kyron Williams is coming out of the backfield on a on a wheel route and Stafford turns his whole shoulder and, and Williams is open, turns his whole shoulder to kind of look at him. Doesn't even do a pump fake, but just moves his feet and his shoulders to look at Kyron Williams, gets the safety to bite and then just throws a total dime behind the safety on that touchdown to Nakua. That was an audible at the line of scrimmage. Sean McVay did not call that play. And so awesome. Stafford's operating at a really, really yeah. high level. Uh, and that's why they're six and six. He still is the biggest reason to me that they're six and six. You know what? LeBron James and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar were both at this game. Wow. At the football game. The two yeah. highest scoring players in the history of basketball. But they're, they're basketball players. I don't know. <laughs> why would they be at the football game? I don't know. Game? It made no sense to me from that angle that they're not the same sport. Doesn't it seem like we should have heard something by now? Oh, Eric. Come Eric, on. what I mean, how much more time do I have to buy for you, bud? <laughs> I don't know why this is the football drop. is completely different <laughs> than basketball. Now. This, on, I don't man. know why this is the drop for some, <laughs> of all the drops that have gotten the most use out of the. Yeah, years. I don't know. Uh, there was something highly comical about like um, flying up the Rappaport uh, connection. Like Ian was your football's different from basketball. See, that's yeah, an, that's, that one that's right. an NFL insider saying that. So I, you know, I'm, I'm getting. But I agree. I think we all agree with you. So that's why I was surprised they were even at the football game. Yeah, I mean, I, I it is illogical. All right. Uh, speaking of illogical, uh, the Jets for the past 12 years, well, 50. 12. Uh, to the Meadowlands. 
Boyle from under center here on second and nine. Play fake to Dalvin Cook. Boyle wants to hang one up for Garrett Wilson, and it's picked. Jesse Bates has got another one. Fifth interception of the year for Jesse Bates, and like last week, he read it from center field. <laughs> and Atlanta celebrates the pick by Bates with 26 seconds to go in the third. Yes, that right there might be the final throw of Tim Boyle's NFL career. Yes, another benefactor of the Aaron Rodgers Scholarship Fund bit the dust on Sunday. Befuddled by the Falcons' defense and an ugly 13-8 win for the NFC South leaders. Uh, Desmond Ritter uh, back in the lineup for the second game. He threw a 20-yard touchdown pass to Mecole Pruitt in the second quarter. That was the only touchdown in the game, and that was the only thing that you would really need to beat the Jets, uh, who cannot score touchdowns. Uh, so the Falcons, they... Uh, Keep their spot atop uh, the NFC South. However, man, if you if you want to talk yourself into the Falcons, go do it until you're blue in the face. And I'm not going to take anything away from them. They won this game, but I just I still don't see it with this team. And they could not get the running game going. They really won because how inept the other side of the ball is here. They're a tough watch, and I'm looking at this drive chart that the Jets had six drives that went for less than six yards. I mean, and they seem to look at like it every week. And I guess I'd ask you this, like, do you see the team continuing to splinter and fracture or was this a little bit better? That's almost too exciting a fate for the jets at this point. They just stink. They're a bad team. Uh, they are now on their, uh, third quarterback. Uh, Trevor Simeon came in after that boil throw and was equally ineffective. It, it was so, and credit the Falcons defense. Okay. You got to, because you know, you got to win games in the league and, when the Jets took the field for their last possession, they are down, uh, what are they down? They're down five points, and they have the ball with less than two minutes to play. Uh, they don't have any timeouts, but they have the ball, and they just have to go down the field and score a touchdown. There was no one watching this game. There was no one at MetLife Stadium that thought the Jets had any chance to go down the field. They had one completion on the drive uh, to get uh, near, I think, the 40-yard line, and then they just w marched backwards and, and didn't even come close. So the Falcons... You know, as frustrating and up and down as their um, offense has been this season, and again, you you would have liked to see their running game, you know, do better in this game. Their defense has been at times pretty good this year, and uh, against a bad offense like the Jets and weather like this, it was miserable at the Meadowlands. They took advantage of their setup. Yeah, I think this is sometimes I think the narrative has been played up too much that the, the Jets defense is just holding on, holding on, holding on. Some of those games that they haven't been, you know, pristine. This game, you give up 194 yards, you give up three yards per play, you hold the Falcons running attack, which was outstanding last week, to 90 yards. You keep giving your offense a chance after chance after chance. The Jets offense had seven possessions in the second half. They did everything humanly possible. This was kind of the stereotypical Jets game that, that we've been talking about all years. And now they, they have the fewest touchdowns of any team through 12 games in 30 years. And, and I saw this stat from, whoa, from, it was, I, I think it was on true media. I forget who tweeted out. I apologize, but two of the top five worst games of off target throws from quarterback. So they measure how many throws did you have in the game that gave your receiver no chance to even make the catch. Uh, Tim Boyle in this game was, I think third worst all season and Trevor Simeon was fifth worst. So it was like 
they can't find they can't he, find a quarterback who can just throw the ball in the air. I know there was bad weather, but it's like Ritter oh, wasn't on that list. And as as I will do on these Sundays this season, because this has been uh, honestly, I, I, and there have been so many, but in a lot of ways, the most frustrating worst Jet season ever because of the Rogers side of things. Um, and maybe if there's any positive to this, this almost certainly should take Aaron Rodgers out of play, trying to force his way back on the field because they are essentially eliminated. At, at this point, four and eight, I heard there were Zach Wilson apologists uh, in my mentions being like, oh, and you wanted and you wanted Zach Wilson out of the lineup. Well, yeah, it didn't work, but it was always a Hail Mary to see if one of these guys could provide a spark. Neither could. And now you have Bob Sala, who has completely been uh, stripped of any dignity up on the press on the day of saying, oh, you know, we might be turning to another quarterback next week. And again, it didn't have to be over after week one. Maybe the Super Bowl dreams had to be over, but you could have still been competitive this year if you went out and got a real quarterback. You didn't. And 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 like I said, you get what you deserve. So another gruesome Sunday at the Meadowlands. And the thing I worry about spinning forward now is, and I've seen it before, they got some really talented, it's a top-heavy roster for the Jets, but a lot of talented young guys that are living through a gruesome season after a horrible ending to last season. And it's just bad energy and bad vibes. And that leads to negative talk and guys maybe not wanting to be in the building anymore. And they're, they're seeing what's going on elsewhere in the league where people are having fun and winning games. It's gotten to that place uh, for the jets. So I don't know how much, how much else needs to be said about this game. The Falcons took care of business, but I wasn't overly impressed by them. It was like a mediocre team against a team that is completely imploded and the mediocre team came out ahead. Yeah, I feel really ultimately incorrect about what I thought the Falcons would be. And they're just a middle-of-the-road team in a terrible division. They're going to get an extra game in January that I don't need to watch. But Maybe, maybe. They're, well, they're 6-6. Six and six. They're, in that, they're in that world. Rex. They're 6-6, they're six and six, so that gives them a, a one-game lead over the Saints and the Bucks. Hopefully, it's only one NFC South team to sneak in, although if, if the you know, Falcons are at 6-6, six and six, they're one of four teams... We just mentioned the Rams that are at six and six. It might turn into five. It's a six and six. God help us. Kind of year. Get two teams from that Southern. Division Probably players. won't happen. Probably <laughs> won't happen. Uh, AJ right. Terrell got hurt in this game, by the way, their best defensive he player after losing Grady Jarrett. Uh, you know, they, they need him back. Um, all right. Let's see. Let's see. Let us move to. You're dying with anticipation. Aren't you? Let's move to Pittsburgh, where the Steelers are looking to continue their quest, 12 and five. Third down and a yard on the nine. Three tight ends, Murray under center, Connor behind him. One receiver to the right. They hand it off, Connor to the left. First down, Connor dies for the end zone. Touchdown! James Connor with two scores in the welcome back party in Pittsburgh. Oh, the Cardinals just <laughs> broke out the black and blue brigade, baby. Light up and suck the beating heart. Oh. Metaphorically speaking, out of your opponent. <laughs> Whoa. Put that on the top of his head. Yeah. He's won before, clip too. Clip it. And I know, Eric, you know, when we're saying this, do we have a folder of the top calls of the year? Yeah, I have, I have Great. a folder. Because once again, Ron Wolfley is announcing this is my competition to lose. <laughs> I like that he clarified, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, James Conner, the former Steeler, ran for a buck five uh, and two touchdowns, including the game icer. 
And the Cardinals beat the Steelers 24-10 at the field formerly known as Heinz. It's their first win in Pittsburgh since the summer of love, Mark, which was? 1969. Well, it depends who you are, but yeah. That's correct. And uh, Greggy, I mean, listen, come on now. Steelers, we can't, we can't. It can't be December and we're losing games to the the tank and cards. We can't. This it, for a game that was delayed by lightning multiple times in Pittsburgh in December. Come, come back on. to come back to us, Mother Nature. Uh, <laughs> it's a high desert team flying across the country. They're just looking to get this game over with, <laughs> right? And it, and and at one point was twenty four to three. It was highly entertaining and surprising. Sometimes you watch a game and you're just not expecting it to go a certain way and. Late in the second quarter of this game, it was going how we expected. The, the Steelers had outgained the Cardinals at that point, 161 to 36. And then a two-play sequence on the goal line changed everything. Kenny Pickett scrambled, trying to score uh, at the four. He got to the one-yard line. He hurt his ankle. We're now hearing again that it's a significant injury, according to Jerry Dulac, and that, that it, he just said not good, and that he'll miss some time, extended time. So if it's an ankle he injury... Seems to, he, he's ducked serious injuries. Seems like yeah. he's getting hurt every few yeah. weeks. And he, take, he takes a lot of big hits. Yeah. So that sounds like a multiple-week injury. In comes Trubisky. He hands it off to Najee Harris. It's 3-3 at the time, even though the Steelers have totally dominated. They hand it to Harris. He gets stoned at the one. Well, at least he got the Steelers' defense backed up uh, or playing against the Cardinals who sure. haven't done anything backed up. Kyler Murray leads one of the most epic drives of the year. <laughs> 15 plays, 99 hey yards now. for a touchdown. And you know what? Kyler Murray played fantastic the rest of the game. So did James Conner. And they kind of dominated the second half of this game. Trey McBride went wild. The, the second year tight end, eight for 89 in a touchdown. Up. He dominated that, that 99 yard drive. And I was just floored by how much this game changed in that sequence. That 15-play touchdown drive was Arizona's longest march since 2015. Um, they, you know what else is? It's the longest march in NFL history. I mean, yards-wise. You, you can't top it. It's tied That's a, a tie. lot, bunch of them. Cannot top it. Can't beat it. I have a weird stat from this game. Weirder than what Greg just said because <laughs> that was weird. I think it's, I, I'd say it's less trenchant. Okay. Um, Kyler Murray at 5'10 yes. and a quarter inches. Um, to Rondale Moore, who's 5'7", uh, their touchdown combination is the shortest um, duo to connect for a touchdown since Pard Pierce, who was 5'5", five five, um, threw a touchdown to Dutch Sternemann, <laughs> who was 5'8", on the 1920 Decatur Staley's. I think it was football. Wow. Uh, it was a different sport Very back nice. then. That's pretty good. good. Uh, although that, they, pretty that came that from factoid. Adam Harstad. Yeah. And, and that, was, um, factoid. Yeah. that was one of my favorite plays and throws of the week. And they actually called it back because of a holding call. But no. he has he has thrown touchdowns to Rondell Moore in the past, I believe. So that would still be a, a true statement, unless one of them was much taller when they when it, when it, when it, that happened. Yeah. But yeah, that was Kyler. You look at the box score and you see 145 yards on on 23 attempts and a touchdown. You think, okay, it was a good game, nothing crazy. But he had two of the best throws I saw a week. One was would have been a 60-yard play to Moore, who dropped it. And the other was like a 40-yard touchdown to Moore, where Moore made a great play. It was a great throw on the run, and it ends up getting called back. And it was very confusing because they never showed flag on the, uh, on the mm -hmm. broadcast. Oh, show the suddenly, yeah. they Gotta just are, are lining up again. Uh, but wow. The Ruck is asleep at the wheel. The little James Conner revenge game in Pittsburgh. It was fun. Um, how about Mike Tomlin, who's got to be 
I mean, we know our boy Mike T with the Aviators. He had to be furious with his Steelers laying an egg against the cards. Let's listen. You know, that was a horrible day at the office. Um, <laughs> we didn't do much right in that game, to be quite honest with you. And so we got to own that, obviously, starting first and foremost with me. Um, just losing football. Mm. A lot of it was like bad snaps. He called it JV. He said it was yeah. a JV performance. They had a lot of bad penalties. It seemed yeah, like. they had a lot of big penalties, nine for 77, and they're usually one of the least penalized teams. They had uh, like three different bad snaps. So you'll see in the box score that Trubisky and Pickett both had fumbles, but those were the bad snaps. They lost one, so they set up a short field. They, like The Cardinals touchdowns were often, uh, other than the 99-yard one, were on short fields. And yeah, it was just sloppy. Trubisky wasn't great, but he took a couple shots. He wasn't... He wasn't a disaster. It was just they got down fast in a hurry, and J.J. Watt went out with an injury. He did say after the game, J.J. Watt, did, or T.J. Oh. Watt, sorry, uh, that he's fine and he'll be playing on Thursday. You know, I, didn't, I, w- I didn't want to be that guy because you guys were excited about it, but I just I couldn't get on board with this Pittsburgh offense turning the corner talk this week. I, and then this game happens, mm. and I have to watch it, but it, it's just like even when they were putting up more yards, they still weren't scoring points, and once again, they can't, yeah. they can't score. Well, I think it was a reminder. Their running game was working great until the moment they got stuffed on the goal line. But when you suddenly get down two touchdowns, like that kind of went out Changes, the window. Yeah. Well, that so-called explosion happened against a Bengals team with zero offense right now and a defense that is not as good like, as you thought yes. it was. So. And it included, again, 16 points, as Dan yeah, pointed back out. Back to and, normal. And uh, yeah, this guy, this guy McBride, who, again, for the 17 people like myself who watched yes. All or Nothing, and Trey McBride was... Uh, featured out or no, it's hard knocks in season. In, yeah. Very likable guy, uh, who had very little role last year. I think he is their leading receiver for the season now, Dan, which maybe is not a great thing. Uh, but he's on pace for over 800 yards. That's pretty big time for, a, for a tight end. Let's mm, add some time. weapons in the offseason. Nice hands, nice Mark. Hands. We got to get 12 and 5 now. We got to be Patriots at Indy versus Cincy at Seahawks at Ravens. Need them all. Yeah, it's not going to happen in the Cardinals. Need them all. It's not happening. Thank you, Cardinals, for winning this game and uh, helping out the tankathon ex- ex- uh, exploits of the Patriots here. Let's take a break, and then we'll hit those Patriots. <laughs> Good lead-in. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. 
Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. I just think we got something here. That sting. Welcome back to Around the NFL, the flagship show. Hey, I was thinking, um, I was thinking, because I came into the studio before we started recording, came in a little hot, came, came in thinking... You know how if if the NFL ever like invested in some type of promotional campaign for our show mm-hmm. hasn't really happened yet, but it doesn't mean it can't happen. You know they started to flex our financial might. What fifteen billion dollar company? Yeah. All of a sudden they start running ads on Sunday for around the yeah, NFL. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, That'd I'm sure cool. they will get to that soon. So I just had an idea um, that popped into my head: uh, exterior, two dads at a playground in a park. Okay. Okay. Um, and then so dad one's like, oh man. It's so hard to keep up with everything going on in this world, especially in the NFL, you know, because my wife is dead. And then the other guy comes in and, and their kids are playing in the background. And he's like, well, I got something for you. Uh, and the other guy's like, oh, a new wife. And he's like, no, I have the Around the NFL podcast. And then the, the guy with the dead wife goes, uh, I don't need another show about all about X's and O's of the game. And then uh, the other guy goes, nah. This show's a little more than just about the X's and O's. <laughs> End of commercial. <laughs> I, I think it also could, what? you could have different versions <laughs> where, like, it, it's all the same except his last line is different. And it's like, actually, these guys have a lot of fun, too. That's good. You know what That's I mean? Good. And so it's, it, you're building and right. building different variations. And it's then, unclear how the wife perished. Well, I was going to say, you could have a last shot of him being like, well, off to the cemetery. I mean, that seems like a downer. Seems like a downer. I think our show would mask over a loss like that. But here's the thing. It's like. That would be, that would get people talking. Yeah. Yeah. They take, they take their jobs really seriously, but they don't take themselves too seriously. Oh, yeah. These guys love ball, but it's not just about the ball. They have fun. Very organic conversation. Yeah. It's These like guys, you're, it's like you're friends with them. These are like the three buddies in the bar. Especially if you're from Northern Scotland. There's Scotland coming up again on the show. Great country. If anyone's listening from the ad department, just uh, that was free a freebie. Yeah. Why have they never? Why have they never invested even a penny on on our show? I've done. You know, I've done the slogans them. before. Right. I've never heard anything, anything from the third floor. Mm. Well, maybe that's for the best. All right, let's head to. Foxborough, where the uh, bizarre misery continued for Greg's Patriots. Herbert to throw. Has a man. Oh. Erickson ends the game. 
Alex Erickson. When the game demanded excellence, Erickson emerges. Kudos Great to call. Kellen Moore. You gotta, you gotta Do not shrink. When the lights are the brightest, he puts the ball in his most valuable <laughs> weapon's hands, and Justin Herbert delivers the victory. Put that on the list. That's pretty good. You got to know money. I you know, got a chance to work with money for a few years on Power Rangers. The man's got a, a keen sense of humor and a dry wit. You could, you could hear the sarcasm <laughs> pulsing through that oh, call. God. Um, and again, also, if you're going to put, and the, and the other guy from San Diego, too, if you're going to put, you're going to take money out of Seal Beach where he's doing his surfing at 6 a.m., and, and you're going to put him on a plane and send him to New England in December for this nothing burger of a game, at least get a W, Chargers. And they do. Because Cameron Dicker made two 38-yard field goals. Punter J.K. Scott. Oh, he was pinning the pats inside the 20 all day, seven times <laughs> in, the, in the cold and rain. And Herbert picked up that late completion, Mark Sessler. Six-nothing the final, whoa. This uh, was the <laughs> worst football game I've ever watched. Is it? Wow. I, six nothing, two field goal, two short field goals. Yeah, that's. that's I, I'd rough. say from a distance, I'd kind of be into that kind of a game because it stands out as something very unusual. It's a cess dog type of game. You're right. Unwatchable. Um, how so? Bailey Zappi is in there. Yawn. Uh, is they, he worse than Mac Jones? I think it's hard to detect who is worse um, because there's also nothing around them. Uh, they lost Ramondre Stevenson with an ankle injury Tough. pretty early in this, and that's really all they seem to have. Uh, I thought Z Zappi's day was characterized by um, a pretty great deep shot in the third quarter. They're trailing 6 nothing. Um, horrible drop by Tyquan Thornton. It's like they just can't get anything done. The Patriots' defense um, looked good because the, the Chargers... Six points. The Chargers are spiraling a little on offense. They cannot run the ball. They have no balance. The Patriots, this is a, this is a wacky stat. Um, they are the first team to lose three straight games despite allowing 10 or fewer points in those three games since go back to 1938 to the Chicago Cardinals. Every other team this year that has answer. allowed fewer than 10, 10 or fewer points is 53-0. Hmm. This offense is so bad. Three? Yeah. This offense is so bad. Um, they're so unwatchable. And yet, I kind of think, I mean, I guess we don't know where anyone, like, where Belichick will be after all this. It's like what they did last year by, or last week by, you know, I think overtly missing that final field goal. I mean, they didn't try to miss. I don't know. I, I that, do know. That they weren't playing for the win. That I'll tell you that. That remains, they like, played that, for the, the jury tie. is out in my opinion and on that one. the kick. Right. So, that was drastic. You know. I mean, it's kind of working out perfectly. They're so bad that they're probably going to guess get, snag the number one or number well, two. How about this? I'll take problems. it a step further. Everyone's connecting Belichick to the Chargers. Well, I don't know whether there's actual logic to it. Well, there's logic, but actual smoke to it, or or if there's fire to it, or what. But not only did you lose again, and and it's it's remarkable how badly this season has gone. I never thought it could get this bad for Bill Belichick in New England. I, because it, no, and I'm not. I don't even want to go down the road of like. If he's really the greatest coach of all time, how could this be happening? Because there's a lot of things going on here. But, like, you know, he also made the Chargers look bad again in, a, in its own way. So it, it's another nail in the coffin of Brandon Staley, despite getting the win in a way. So the conspiracy theories continue <laughs> yeah, I would, to unfurl. Like, well, like, Staley's defense just pitched the shutout. No, so that's the thing. Like, there, <laughs> no, there is, it's fair. not all negative because, I like, I'm losing hope in their offense. Um, Quentin Johnson had another terrible drop today. But oh, that was... <laughs> Awful. I mean, it's happening every week, so I don't know if it's there's no new story there. But Khalil Mack 
had two more sacks. He has fifty. He leads the NFL with fifteen. Isn't sacks that right the crazy? When I saw that on Twitter, I was thinking to myself, okay, we know he had that insane game when he had seven, so that's always going to juice it. But he has a chance to challenge for the all-time sack record. Khalil Mack, he's not young. Twenty-three. Yeah, like that could happen. He certainly could challenge for a twenty-sack season, which. Only about what twenty guys or whatever have done. All he's got to do is play Zappy and Aiden O'Connell every week, and he'll he'll get it done. Because Zappy, the little I watched, was just holding on to the ball forever on on some of those plays. But this still the, fifteen sacks. No, still he it's he crazy. has been December third. He has been fantastic this year. the The thing that gets me, and it happened these last two weeks with this team, is Belichick has spent more money and more time, and he's so worried about the details, and he and he invests in all these special teams only players. And their special teams are terrible. They're bottom five in DVOA. Their kicker, who they drafted and got rid of folk, is terrible. And then every other time I was, I looked at this game, you got Bryce Berenger, who's one of the worst punters in the league. Bryce Bar- Berenger, who's another rookie punter, who they also drafted. They drafted a punter. And the kicker's and, no and great And he's shakes. terrible. And, like, the yeah. difference in punting in this game and the kicker, like, it's just, if, if you've lost that with Belichick, I know the defense has been playing well. And, yeah. And they have been. They have. But, uh, it's still not good but enough. But like, maybe we could save this conversation. But how is it? How is Bill Belichick presiding over something this truly dreadful? How has this happened? How could it happen? Well, I think is first he of all, old. I think he's is he old. Is he's that he's making personnel? He's been for in the same time. place, and he has no checks on his power. And the few people that maybe not had checks on his power, but would you know answer to him or like have some power in the organization. They're all, they're all long gone. Nick Casario, he's long gone. Like they're all and Tom Brady's long gone, of course, yeah. as well. That's he's been a, a bad GM for a long time. Yes. Yeah. Let's hear from Bill Belichick. Awkward press conferences are the norm. And now, you know, he's forced to answer these questions about his own job security. Bill, do you want to stay here and keep coaching the Patriots? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this week getting ready for the Steelers. Read that in, you know, that's kind of a bill answer, but yeah. It all feels like the beginning of the end. You and I are getting Steelers Patriots on Thursday night, Dan. Oh, yeah. A little Trubisky zap dog. How about this? Uh, the world is getting Jets Patriots in week 18. A wow, meteor, but that's not a, like a, a meteor. Not many people will watch the, that. At the earth, like uh, ready to eviscerate everything that lives upon it. I take the meteor. By the way, the Chargers uh, in the AFC at five and seven are two games back of a playoff spot. No. You can't totally Won't X them out, but if they were in the NFC, you'd say they'd have a chance. But in the AFC, two games back with five games to play and a lot of teams to hop is a lot. But can't do that with to, you, bro. They have to just win out, essentially. Can't I think. go there Which with Which they dog. will not be doing. They will not be doing that, most likely. Dog, we're I in that part of the year there. where like, we had these conversations and you're just waiting for the slow crawl of time to remove these teams permanently and mathematically. All right, let's uh, <laughs> head to Tampa where the Panthers and Bucks did battle in the downpour. The snap of Goodwin, belt high, dropping the throw. Bryce Young flushed out of the pocket, flushed down the hose, the ball upfield. It is intercepted, picked off at the 43-yard line by Antoine. Magnificent Antoine Winfield. What a minute. He, he was in the middle of the field. Chased it down to the sideline. And Young throws a pick, and the Bucks have it. Mm, the great Gene Deckerhoff with the call. Yes, Antoine Winfield. When it looked as if the Panthers could somehow find a way, Bryce Young 
threw it up for grabs. Winfield came away from the ball with the ball through the from the sideline, steps from the sideline, and the Buccaneers escape with a 21 to 18 win over the moribund Carolina Panthers, playing their first game without uh, Frank Reich. So, what to take away from this game? First of all, let's let's talk about Mike Evans. Just when this game appeared to be slipping away from the Bucks, and Baker was having a miserable game, he was averaging like four yards an attempt, he hits Evans over the middle. Evans goes down the sideline like a house on fire. He dives toward the pylon. They mark him down at the one, as the officials often were today. They were wrong. He actually cleared the pylon, and upon review, he gets credited with the touchdown as he deserves. 75 yards, changed the game, got everybody back uh, in line and gave Baker uh, a stat line uh, that you wouldn't be afraid to show to your family. Evans finished with seven for 162. He is now over 1,000 yards. He has now gone over 1,000 yards for 10 consecutive seasons. Uh, Jerry Rice has the record of 11 straight seasons. That's wild. And it's funny, I think it was Nick Wessling who texted me um, at the beginning of the year and, and says like, Mike Evans doesn't get enough respect. He should be in the superstar club. Look what this guy's done. And the interesting thing about Evans's career is he's gone over 1000. As I just said, every single year for a decade, uh, he has 10 touchdowns this year. Uh. doesn't matter who the quarterback is. And he right. had that golden period with Brady, but he's also played with a lot of ham and eggers, uh, Mark and, and Baker is, you know, kind of a, on the upper scale of that type of group of quarterback. He is just an incredible player. So I don't know if he's a superstar, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. Right, because, I mean, you know, literally Jerry Rice is one of the greatest players of all time. But Jerry Rice had great quarterback play around him. And he didn't do it to start career. the career. This is a record in terms of starting his career that, yeah. like, Evans is just way ahead of anyone else. I think one thing about Evans this year specifically, because remember they were just an unwatchable mess on offense for much of last season. And it was like it's Tom Brady and Tom Brady and Evans were not on the same page. Um when Baker's been good, I mean, Baker and Evans have had a pretty good connection th- from wire to wire this season. And it's just another example of like Evans adjusting to whatever's around him and being that consistent. Right. And he could, uh, he, I think he only topped 1,400 yards once. He had a 1,500 yard season in 2018. I mean, he's got a chance to even get there this year. He's in a contract year. He's on year. pace for about 1,400 yards. Yeah. He, he's in a contract year. Uh, between him and Winfield, they actually have two team, two guys that have a chance. Evans probably isn't going to make all pro because the receiver is so tough to make that. Uh, but I think Winfield has a chance. I really have just been so impressed by Winfield each and every week. He had a sack, two tackles for loss, three passes defense. He had the interception, eight tackles. I just haven't seen a more impactful safety. So that's been a weekly thing with him. He is uh, Evans, and we'll move off Evans, but he is an interesting player, and he's kind of a fascinating, Greg, when you get to your free agency 101. Yeah. I think age 31 season, one of the most consistent players in the history of the sport. Like what kind of market would he have? Anyway, the Bucks Big one. in the NFC South, um, which is bad, as we've stated, uh, that was only the second win for Tampa Bay in the last eight games. But now that they are in a tie for second place in the division. So uh, they are in the mix, uh, and uh, it wasn't always pretty in this game, but they got the job done. On the other side of the ball, um, no Basaccia bump here uh, for the Panthers, who were competitive uh, in the rainy conditions, but they're still just, you're not seeing anything uh, with this offense. Chuba Hubbard did some things, got in the end zone twice for him, but I just I just don't see it. I, I have this theory that I'm working on. I'm workshopping that Bryce Young 
is getting one inch shorter every week now. So now he's about five, <laughs> six. At the, the there pocket, aren't that many more weeks. The pocket feels impossibly muddy around him. And there was one play in this game where the, the rush was coming and he kind of just turned and threw it behind him and it bounced out of bounds Ooh. for a fumble. And Aaron a, Brooks like there was another play it was a big, I believe it was a third down where it was very clear. He had to check out of a play and he doesn't. And they run right into a big loss where they're showing a blitz and he just doesn't see it. So whoever it is that's tasked with kind of getting him on the right track, just has they have a lot of work well it's a lost year and it's like it's gonna be an off season of a billion storylines about how now he feels comfortable and it's a, it's a new start i mean it's it's been a rough spot but like i thought that final that fourth down and game ender like he had a chance to, if he were a little if he were reacting more quickly to hit adam thielen and it was like it shouldn't have happened the way it happened mm. like it, it, it was just He's another processing it, right it's so all I mean, bad. just sort of like not yeah. really there's not a part of it where you see it's crazy to me that he outdueled if that's how you want to put it cj stroud in the one time they met like it was like the most atypical mm. game for to feel strong I, you know but he, to go and have won that game it feels like four years ago Out, it's just, outplayed slightly i would i would yeah. say it's I the would best agree. game i think uh, usually outdueled is like two yeah, no, athletes the, playing on a high no, level 15, one edges the I, other i could be wrong i don't think the panthers scored a touchdown in that game i believe they won with five field goals but uh i was getting a lot of texts that you mentioned you, they didn't get the basaccia bump no but according to our friend spice rack the right. fired coach principal uh at least in terms of the the desert is nine and oh since september 29th i can't i can't fact check this that means he's nothing. including he's including college please but uh carolina kept it closer than expected it is my is There's my no, point here you don't get credit for the basaccia bump when you lose no okay. this isn't we're not all in the desert okay no, like, no uh that's for teams that win after the firing i do want to use his comparison not gamblers though, who win of uh because he was going nuts because he wanted the panthers <laughs> to do better and win this game and at one point they he were said he was said. on fire he was uh, on fire spicy. comparing young to bryce young uh <laughs> In terms of his body language, saying it was Wait, identical. Uh, Bryce Young to Achilles Smith oh. was his comparison. Oh, wow. That he wants oh, no. to be anywhere but here. I will just push back just, just a little slightly, Go which ahead. is just, he, it reminds me a little bit, maybe because they're all number one picks. Alex Smith's rookie season was the worst top pick or really rookie pick I've ever seen. And he bounced back pretty quick to be it, okay. And uh, Eli and Jared Goff were close. So all those guys were in a similar situation where they, they showed almost no bright spots their entire rookie season. So it's it's happened before. There's That's something just, else just here, there. though. Like, yeah. I, I, you're right. And it's like there needs to be patience. But I, I really watch Bryce Young and feel like, to your point, Dan, like he plays small. And it's like, I don't know if he's he's not Eli Manning, you know, is prototypical perfect quarterback type build. Right. And, like, and he is small. It's not, he is. He, he plays small. He right. is small, and he's getting sacked. They're on pace. The uh, Carolina line is not helping him. He's on pace to be sacked 66 times, which is almost the team record. So that's a recipe for disaster as well. Oh. Man, they are hot on our tails, Greg, in the, uh, in the picks <laughs> competition. This? They are right behind this? us now. Two games. You should have seen Mark's face when, when you said us just now. He's like, what is this what, narrative, Dan? What is your record well, right now? Greg and I, uh, what is our record, Greg? 11 what and you, 1? What are you talking about? I'm 11 and 1. You're 1 and 0 oh, jump, jumping on with me. And actually, you're not because the one week I got I'm wrong, you, the three of us all did it together. Well, there's a yeah. lot of different standings at play. So uh, I'm one and one when we pick together. I'm one and oh since I just got on the train. I'm one and one overall after they uh, blew up the entire operation after the horrible Joe Burry injury de designation uh, <laughs> fiasco. And then if you want to look at the the broader, uh, I think I'm 
I don't want to look. Seven. I don't want to yeah. look at the broader. Like I think this is a this is a farce. Do you want to join the Rosenthal train? Because it was a it was a little bit of a bumpy ride today, but we it's were fine. drinking I the champagne and eating caviar. I locked up the Niners with confidence and never for a second um, had any concern about that affair. Nice job. That was nice a good job. luck. Was good hey, luck. we all got dubs. Right, yeah, right across the board. I'll travel my own path though. You're a brave man. Me, I'm like second to last place. So it's just me. It's Greg in the motorcycle <laughs> and me in the sidecar. <laughs> This is one of the most bizarre uh, <laughs> podcast strategies we've ever had. Storylines. All right, <laughs> Sunday Night Football. <laughs> Three receivers right, two to the left. Snap to Mahomes, looking, steps up, scrambling left, still looking, still waiting. Fires it into the end zone, broken up, yes. incomplete. And there is, is your dagger. The game is over. The Packers have defeated the Chiefs 27-19. to Oh, what a moment for this young team. Wayne Larravee with the call. For Packers Radio. And yes, it is a big moment for the Green Bay Packers, a team on the rise now. Uh six and six after a 27-19 win over the mighty Chiefs. Well, are the Chiefs mighty? I'm not sure about that anymore. Um, but a big win for the Packers coming off. Obviously, a huge Thanksgiving win over the Lions, and all of a sudden Green Bay looks like a team that makes some real noise in a wide open NFC. And uh boys, let we gotta start. Unfortunately, and we're gonna we're gonna give the Packers their flowers, but we got to talk about what everybody's gonna be talking about, which is an absolute meltdown by the officiating crew in the final minute and a half of this game. I'm actually looking at it right now, boys. There were you can make the case that they blew five calls in the final 65 seconds of the game. Patrick Mahomes scrambles out of bounds uh, at the KC 40 for 10 yards. They penalize Owens on. Uh, Green Bay for uh, unnecessary roughness. Bogus call, uh, not the right call, not even a question. And was an emphasis on the by the rules committee in the offseason to not let quarterbacks bait defenders into those calls, and they and they still miss. Terry McCauley uh, comes in for NBC, says, "Hey, this is the wrong call. This is that you cannot throw a flag here." The very next play, um, Patrick Mahomes to Rasheed Rice for ten yards. He's down by contact. They rule it a fumble. Uh, that gets overturned on review, but that even has a butterfly effect by missing that call and ruling Rice um, up when the ball comes out. That leads to the Pachenko fight, Isaiah Pachenko fight, where he takes a swing and he gets suspended. That's a missed call, uh, overturned on review. And that took about 27 minutes, it felt like, for them <laughs> to sort all that out. Then you have Patrick Mahomes dropping back to pass, and he unfurls a deep ball to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a clear pass interference. Once again, no doubt about it. They do not throw the flag. Again, they bring in McCauley, and McCauley says, yeah, uh, that is obvious pass interference. Uh, It should also be said that MVS also made a catch on the play prior to that where he had his forward momentum had stopped, and he's moving backwards as he's pushed out of bounds, but the side just rules that he was able to stop the clock. That's a blown call. And then finally, and I know this one is going to be the one, especially Packer fans are going to say, shut up, Dan. But uh, a Hail Mary throw, and it's not really even a Hail Mary, guys. It was from the 33-yard line. Yeah. Uh, uh, Travis Kelsey gets a two-handed shove in the back as the ball's approaching the end zone, taking him out of the play. And yes, Greg, you can say on that play, nobody throws the flag there. But one, he took... 
the the essentially the guy most capable of making that play out of the play with a two-handed shove. And two, man, I know makeup calls exist. If there's a way mm. to make up for the MVS blown call, maybe you throw the, the flag there. But they didn't, and the Packers are the benefactors. Well, they're all they're all humans, and I don't know who made the non-call. That's the problem. We got to get some AI refs yes. in here. Yeah. The, I don't know who made the non-call on the pass interference to uh, Valdez Scantling. Should have been a pass interference. It was Corey Valentine that, that was in coverage. That to me, in the moment, felt like a makeup call makeup non-call essentially from the Mahomes because that happened right after the Mahomes, which they, they blew that call. It was brutal. I don't know if they somehow knew that they blew that call, but they were suddenly in the crosshairs. It Like they helped the chiefs get to that point. And then right after that was the throw down the field. And that was the one of, of all of these that was truly egregious and probably changed the game. I think it's worth probably. pointing out. Yes. It's first and 10 at the six, Greg. Okay, or it's first, first and goal. Okay, and and they struggled twice in the red zone tonight, okay. and they had to hit a two-point conversion, and there's overtime. So it changed how the whole rest of the game would have gone, but just worth noting, like, you don't know that the result of the game is going to happen. Right. Like, it's I, like, it's we, still brutal. Right, it's like we were saying, you know, before we recorded, like, it wasn't like any one of these calls is going to stir up, like, the competition committee to look at things differently. The combination of all of them, though, um, suggested a officiating gaggle of officials who seemed completely out of control. There was just an air of like the game was melting down. Yeah. And it's like, who's in charge here and why is this taking so long? It's like none of it was so overly complex that it should have looked the way it did to us. And when you've got Macaulay, I thought he did a good job. He came on three or four times and forcefully said, wrong, wrong call. And like, I guess for me, the whole thing, they are human, but the concept of a makeup call is not how things should be done. Like, it's like, if you made one mistake, you don't then allow yourselves to visibly make another right. to, without telling us what's going on. And just you just look, it looked like they were falling further and further from an element of control. I, I think that MVS no-call, given the stakes, is one of the worst non-calls I've seen, period. That was one of the worst blown DPI calls you could possibly see. And the fact that it was dead center in the middle of the field, no question about it, it can't happen, and and you know what? I mentioned it earlier in this episode. I guess I had my eyes, like on a typical Sunday, we're, we're going to have our eyes individually on about five games pretty closely. Uh, almost every game I watched today, there were really bad mistakes being made by the officiating, and I hate talking about this uh, because obviously you want to focus on what Jordan Love and the Packers are doing, but we have to talk about it, and I know on Park Avenue that they're going to be talking about it first thing Monday morning because it's affecting... Uh, the quality of the product. It's just rare that there's two calls in that spot. Patrick Mahomes in Lambeau, Sunday Night Football, the biggest stage we have, a really unique, entertaining game, and that you have two calls, and, and I'm separating the Mahomes uh, hit out of bounds and the first pass, in, the pass interference non-call as just clearly wrong. No one's going to argue that. I we, we will see the... The pool reports, they might be out by the time we finish talking the, the, these 10 minutes. They will have to just admit we missed those calls. They were absolutely crystal clear. And that it's pretty unique. I can't remember any game in this sort of spotlight where there's a, a cavalcade of calls like this all in a row. It was a pretty, it was a pretty unique circumstance. The problem is they could admit after what we all see with our own eyes. I'm just guessing, though, right. admit. They try not to, but those two would be tough, too. There's just a lack of, I wouldn't say the words accountability, but it's just like when this happens to a team and you get totally hosed on an island game on national television in a circus of officiating, um, 
all it just leaves you with is the loss. Um, let's talk about the Packers. And they deserve to lose, too, by the way. Jeez. What is this? I don't, know. I don't like that either. I, d- I just mean teams fritz out, players fritz out, coaches fritz out. And sometimes, to your point, I think, Mark, officials often fritz out, too. Yeah. But, it, that but I can't live with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, as a fan, like, I want the officials to do, jo- do their job and stay out of the way. And we're just never going to know really how that game really should have turned out because the officials. Yeah, got all I mean is it. they were in that position where they had no timeouts. They had to drive the length of the field in 109 uh, for a touchdown and a two point to tie. So they had put themselves in that position. They, they certainly Absolutely. did. And the reason they did is because, yeah, for the most part, Packers outplayed the Chiefs in this game. And and you're seeing it. And Matt LaFleur, by the way, the bearded boy himself, 16 and 0 in December games. Uh, the, wow. the Packers who were left for dead. I think they said on the game telecast and it checks out because it felt that way. Once went 40 days this season without winning a football game. And now they, you can make the case that outside of the Niners, they're the hottest team in the NFC. So they're very interesting, Mark, from that perspective. And the thing I'll say about Jordan Love in this one, Mark, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. It's not just the stats that look great right now. It's how confident he's playing and how you could tell he's in control of everything he sees. And for a guy that's uh, as young as he is, as inexperienced as he is, and as lost as it seemed he was a, like a month or so ago, it's pretty remarkable, the turnaround. It's, um, I think, one thing that's w- wonderful about kind of covering the whole league versus just your team is that you start to see operations just grow up right before your eyes. And it's Jordan Love, and it's like the offense around him. Um, and I thought tonight there were four or five throws uh, well, I can think of one to Christian Watson where it's like he is just throwing with intense like confidence and putting it like into tight windows. And there's a couple, you know, there were a couple drops, but he put the ball right on the money. And I just think on on top of that, like the way he's seen the field, the way he uses his legs in moments, um, the fact that he's pairing well in a Matt LaFleur offense. And Matt LaFleur two weeks in a row, because Thanksgiving feels like about seven eras ago. Um <laughs> Two great Matt LaFleur coached games. I think that, like, this is working well because they're kind of all growing up together. Yeah, I said when they were at their nadir, I, I brought up how in the offseason we said, we're going to learn a lot about Matt LaFleur. Mm-hmm. And I ended it with some smug little thing of, like, they are right now, like, one of the worst offenses in the league. You jerk. Okay. Um, right now, we're going to learn a lot about Matt LaFleur this season. <laughs> he has taken... Um, a young quarterback, and I think Love deserves the most credit, but I think with the weapons around him and the amount of play action, he really there, I, I hit on, you know, Russell Wilson really relying on play action, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Ryan Tannehill did it for years. A lot of teams do it. He is relying on play action as much as any quarterback in the league, and it is hitting. Guys are open, and then when he is doing that backpedal and he has to do something special, like that rain shot to Romeo Dobbs, which looked like a bad idea. And I don't know how it fell down in there. Like yeah. there's, it still was a, he still got it exactly. He Bermuda triangled right, it in there. He, he got yeah. it exactly where he, it wanted to go. And I think you're right. He's playing with such incredible confidence that when he's doing these back pedals and making these crazy throws, like I'm almost surprised when he's not hitting him. These are all like chunk plays too. So like rookies, Malik Heath, and is that even a person? Dontavian Wicks, and just all these guys, like 15 to 25-yard chunk plays. It's pretty awesome. And it's gotten this bad for the Chiefs with their offense. If Patrick Mahomes is not handing the ball off or getting the hand, is the ball in the hands of Pacheco, 
who's a very good running back, or getting it to Travis Kelsey, who's not, you know, dominating at the same clip as past years, or Rasheed Rice, who's a consistent guy for them now. It's but, bad news. But limited. Consistently good, but limited. Within the realm, yes. like today, he had eight for 64 on nine targets. Like, at least he's a guy that you, mm-hmm. you, he's not a liability. Everyone else that he's trying to get involved, whether it's MVS, who, yes, got jobbed, but let's face it, probably would have dropped it anyway. Um, Richie James, Clyde Edwards Lair, Sky Moore, that route he ran on the uh, Mahomes interception. I mean, you just like, who do you trust? Kadarius Tony, who's like uh, not even on the roster anymore at this point. They have they have work to do in the offseason to fix it. And again, like every time you think maybe they're coming out of it, there's another one of these games that tell you, no, there's just there's just a limit to this offense. And it's kind of a stunning subplot of this season. They're really frustrating uh, when they get into certain situations where in the past you could simply trust or you'd be a fool not to trust Mahomes to bail you out and to have some targets that would help you, too. But it's like we're running out of time here. I like I with the Chiefs. I'll just we'll see where we are in the playoffs. But. Uh, you asked if they were mighty still, and I think it's a fair question because you can't just rely on Andy Reid, the mind of Andy Reid, and the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes to rescue an offense that it's missing pieces and has been all year. So they finished the game so ugly, and that's what we'll remember. Three and out, then the interception, which you know was going to be a tough pass, but more really did a terrible job. I mean, and, the and effort it, wasn't and, even great. And a gr- yeah, he killed them by changing, by slowing down on the route. And Keyshawn Nixon made a really nice interception, too, that yeah. you don't see guys make a nice play like that. And then the way that game ended. It, I should note, though, that, I mean, the, each of these teams only had seven drives. That is an exceptionally no, low number uh, for both teams to have in an NFL game. So to me, this was sort of like an old Chiefs game where it was like, oh, man, our, our defense stinks tonight. We need Patrick Mahomes to answer every single drive. We just haven't seen a Chiefs defense give up points like that. 27 points in seven drives is is terrible. The Chiefs even 19 points in seven drives is pretty great. Like that points per drive, that would just barely like lead the league in points per drive, 19 points in seven drives. Like it, it just was so limited here. But the Packers were scoring almost every single time. And the Chiefs, you know, are, are is their defense going to stay out? This level, the whole season, outstanding. We've seen a little leakage lately. They've had some injuries at linebacker Nick Bolton and uh, Drew Tranquil are out, so that, that's part of it. Brian Cook got carted out of this game. They're starting safety. So that side of the ball might be creating a little issue too. Here's the final stat. Okay, It's from Tony Holzman Escarano. He is the NFL uh, media senior researcher. Kansas City, and I know points per drive. I understand it. I'm just but saying they were pretty. Still, they were okay tonight. They were pretty the, good. I know, but does it feel that way? Anyways, here it is. Yeah. The Chiefs have scored fewer than 20 points in six games this season. The Chiefs had six such games in Patrick Mahomes' first five seasons as a starter combined. Wild. Yeah, and it looks that way. Eight in uh, that fourth loss is big. They're now behind three teams in the AFC who have three losses: Ravens, Jags. We'll see on Monday night, and uh, and the Dolphins and the Packers here at six and six. You look at their schedule and all the projection models now have the Packers. They're golden. Who, who are the they just take care of some business. As the favorite, as like a, a decent size, over 50% chance to make the playoffs. I even think where we'll be potentially in three weeks. They're six and six. They play the Giants, the Bucks, and the Panthers before finishing with the Vikings and Bears. Anything less than two dubs there is a disaster. All right. A disaster. In this NFC, they'll be fine. No matter what happens. <laughs> they could probably. <laughs> All right. Uh, tomorrow, Monday, we got a doubleheader. 
we got the NFL Plus game of the week. Uh, we'll be breaking down the Niners' dominant effort uh, against the Eagles. And then Monday Night Football and news recap. I'm sure there will be maybe some follow-up to everything we just talked about here coming out of Lambeau. Uh, until then, you know what you got to do. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.